Transitioning into becoming a single parent is not easy. Today, we chat with Dr. Robin Rocket, who shares with us her own transition into becoming a single mom. That is episode 128. Tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down to earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. Hola, hola, que chévere que estés aquí. How cool is it that you are here with me today? This is Jen Hempel, your host. Today's episode is brought to you by my upcoming book called Her Money Matters, The Missing Truths from Traditional Money Advice. I'll tell you more how to get the VIP perks on the book at the end of this episode, so make sure you listen to the very end. Today's guest is a rock star single mom who is going to share her story on her transition into single parenting, which of course, for those of you who have experienced it, is not easy. In this episode, you're going to learn the double-edged sword she experienced as a clinical psychologist when she became a single mom. You're going to learn the two things she knew to do to ease the transition into becoming a single parent. And you're also going to learn one thing she wished she had known that would have made her life financially easier. Let me share with you a little bit about Dr. Robin Rocket. Dr. Robin Rocket is a clinical psychologist and a single parent of three young children. She hosts a podcast called The Solo Parent Life, which is for single parents providing resources for parenting, co-parenting, and ways to thrive as a single parent. She also has a private practice where she helps women in transition and children struggling with anxiety and depression. Lista para conocerla? You ready to meet her? Let's do it. Welcome, Robin, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am excited and thrilled that you are here because I know we have single mom listeners and you have so much value that you can bring to the table about this topic. So I am thrilled to have you here. Uh, Jen, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to be here. Yes, and we connected some time ago, and I've had the pleasure of being on your podcast, which is just basically for single parents. So it's it's a great podcast, and I'll make sure that I'll put that in the show notes. But I wanted to start with learning more about your money story, how you grew up around money, your experiences, what you saw. So you ready to dive in? I'm ready. Perfect. So tell us how what tell us about your money story. Well, I guess our money stories always start when we were kids, right? So I grew up in Texas and, you know, my parents lived in the city, San Antonio, and they saved up to buy a farm and then build a house on the farm. And that was really great. So we lived literally in the middle of nowhere, farmland all over the place. So it all was good, didn't really pay too much attention to money. But when I was around 11, my parents divorced. And in that divorce, my mom got the house and my dad got the farm. So he got the land around the house. 
And I really feel like that's for me when my money story began because I saw the impact of the stress of divorce and also my mom being a single mom. And I don't know, I love you, mom, but I don't know what she was thinking of having two kids, my brother and I, literally out in the middle of nowhere. So (laughs) uh, by herself. So we really struggled with money. You know, she had a college degree, but she couldn't find a job out there in the country to be a PE teacher. So uh, she had to get odd jobs. And I remember pipes breaking in the winter and, you know, not having water or not being able to pay the bills or the stress around gas because it was, you know, this is in the 70s when we when gas prices really escalated for a little while. So there was just a lot of worry and stress around money and never feeling like you had enough of it. And how are you going to figure out how to get it? One strength I feel like my mom did provide is that she was very independent and industrious. So she did all different any kind of job she could find. And she was, you know, did it well from a cement truck driver to working in a convenience store to eventually going back to school and becoming a science teacher. But again, when I got older and I went off to college and kind of started my own story of money and how I was going to do it, I remember feeling like I don't have enough. So I have to make sure I have enough. I have to really watch my money so that I can pay my bills and I don't get into that kind of emergency mode that I felt a lot as a kid. Wow. So your mom was super independent. So I think you've learned that from her. But from growing up, you also felt the pinch of the money. So you when you went to college, you felt that as well that you didn't have enough. So what did you do when you got to college? How or even just later on, maybe you didn't overcome that right then. But how did that evolve over time? Well, I was really independent like my mom and I worked all through college. So my college, I didn't have any student loans. My student loans started when I was in graduate school and I felt really proud about that. So I got loans because my mom was a school teacher, you know, from the teacher fund. So that paid for my, you know, books and tuition. And then I worked, I worked like 25, 30 hours a week and went to school full time. So and I, I never lived in a dorm because we couldn't afford that. So I got an apartment with high school friends and, you know, lived off campus the whole time and worked to pay my, you know, rent and my bills, my car payment and my food and stuff. Oh, wow. And then you've become since then a clinical psychologist. What brought you to that career? What was the interest there? You know, I think I've always been a helper and wanting to help people and had a strong interest in that. And since I was a really young kid, I wanted to be a psychologist. Well, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. And then I realized, oh, wait, they go to medical school and they learn about the bodies and stuff. And that's intriguing. But that's not what I just want to deal with. You know, people, I want to talk with them and help them figure out and solve their problems. So, I mean, even in college, one of my first jobs was working in a hospital with inpatient hospital for children. They don't have those so much anymore. But so these were kids between the ages of five and 18 who were living in a hospital setting. And I would go in and sort of be one of the counselors in the milieu when they were doing their daily routine. Okay, that's interesting. And then I'm really, really curious about how your career as a clinical psychologist has helped you because you've become a single mom. How long have you been a single mom? About five years now. Five years. So how did that help you? Because as a clinical psychologist, you are aware of the emotions, you're aware how to handle Mm -hmm. those type of things. How did that help when you became a single mom? Well, as far as the money part, it didn't help me at all. I, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's more and more counselors out there specializing in helping money, people with their money and their emotional relationship to it. But the clinical psychologist part for me, being becoming a single mom, you know, it helped in the sense that 
Well, it was a double-edged sword, actually. The helping part for me was that I knew this was going to be hard and I knew that, you know, there was going to be a lot of grieving and it was going to be stressful and that I needed to get help. I wasn't going to be able to do this on my own. My kids were really young at the time, six, four, and one when I first got divorced. And I hadn't worked for three years. I had taken time off when I had my second kid. So I had some time off from work. So I had to figure out, okay, I have three young kids, I'm a single mom, and I got to get back to work. How am I going to do that? You know, how is this going to work? So being a psychologist, I just kind of knew, you know, doing this on my own, I was going to just really get even more overwhelmed and isolated and depressed. So I joined a support group and I went into individual therapy. I did both because I found both of them helpful in different ways. The support group was a women's divorce support group. And that I could go in every other week and just vent. It was led by a licensed therapist who had written books on divorce. And I could just sort of really get out all the big feelings and have sort of a camaraderie and support to help me move forward. And then the individual therapy was a way for me to dig a little deeper into my like relationship patterns and, and my grieving. And being a single parent is a shift in identity right? Mm. You're, you go from a couple to being on your own. And so, you know, your friendship group, the way you see yourself, how you parent, your career, all of it is shifting. And so the individual therapy just helped me dig deep on, okay, how do I want to do this now? Like what was working and not working for me when I worked when I had kids and then I stopped working when I had kids and was a stay-at-home mom and now I need to work again. How do I want to make this work? And also, how do I want to make my career work? I'd had a private practice for about six, seven years before I stopped working when I had my second kid. So it was an opportunity to reshift that and go, okay, well, being a single mom, I've only got so much time and energy. I need to really, really focus on what's going to be worth my time and energy away from the children. That's also going to pay my bills. Right. That makes sense. And what have you found since the transition? So five years ago, you became a single mom. What was when you started as, as far as money, what was your biggest challenge? I know you alluded a little bit to that in terms that you weren't prepared from your career perspective, you weren't trained in that area. So what was the biggest challenge? Take us through a little bit of that and what has changed over time? Yeah, that's a great question, Jen. Well, the you know, I said it was a double-edged sword being a clinical psychologist. The negatives of it is I think I had this expectation in my head of like, well, you know, I'm a child psychologist. I work with lots of kids and families, a lot of them going through or been divorced. You know, I can figure this out with support, but still be able to figure it out. And what I realized is, you know, when you're in it and you're grieving and overwhelmed and going through this identity shift, it takes time. It's a process. So all of that education that I had didn't always help me in the moment when I was feeling overwhelmed with my kids. Sometimes I just had to, I had to learn how to be more compassionate with myself and trust in myself that I was going to figure this out. So my divorce wasn't expected for me. And like I said, I hadn't worked in a while. So I had to figure out, okay, you know, I need to make a living here and I want to do it efficiently. And my kids were young and my ex lived far away. I'm in Northern California and he's in Southern California. He moved. <laughs> so I didn't have 50-50 custody. So it was really, I remember feeling really worried and anxious about it because it wasn't like, you know, I had 50-50 custody where I could have some time to regroup and work more when I didn't have my kids, you know, things like that. I had them most of the time and they were really young. So when I had them, it was exhausting, right? I had a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old. So hanging up a shingle for private practice, it's not that simple. You really mm -hmm. have to build a good network, right? So what I did instead is I went back to school and thought, well, I'll be a special ed teacher. So I took courses for a year 
I have a lot of teachers in my family, including my mom, both my grandparents and several cousins. I thought, you know, this is this could be a calling. I could do this. And that would be a day job, right? I could get that done in about a year and a half and then move on to being a special ed teacher. And then after that, build a private practice when the kids are a little older. But what I found is after about a year into the divorce, year and a half, I was feeling stronger and better. And I had been taking these classes and I really loved them, but I also realized it probably wasn't my calling. So then I had a decision to make because I put this money into these courses and I was getting ready to do my student teaching, which was going to be a lot of money for a year, a lot of more money than I'd spent so far on the courses. And I made a difficult decision, Jen. I've talked to family and friends, but I really had to trust my intuition and, and realize that, you know, as much as I think it would be great to be a special ed teacher and it's an amazing job, that was probably not where I wanted to head because it was a very hard and demanding job and did it pay a whole lot. And if I started a private practice, I could potentially make more income and do more things and be more flexible with my time, which is really what my ultimate goal was, flexibility, so that I could move that around my children and make enough to pay bills. So instead of doing student teaching, I bagged that teaching and I started a private practice and I dived into my community. I became president of my local chapter. I took a job as assistant clinical director, teaching and supervising and doing the training program, which meant I met a lot of therapists in the area to, you know, recruit them to teach at our community clinic to the interns that were training to be therapists. So I kind of took this leap of faith. Like here I had this, not debt because I paid cash for the courses, but <laughs> I was always one to follow through and to finish things out. And mm-hmm. kind of what I learned from that experience was sometimes we get into something and it may feel right at the time, especially when you're overwhelmed like I was on, you know, trying to make it work for me and my kids. And you move through that and you realize you maybe need something different. And even though I wouldn't say that I lost all that money because I use a lot of those skills I learned in my courses, in my work with families and kids. I know a lot about IEPs and special education and how the school system works. I've actually been able to use those skills as a clinical psychologist now. But I also learned to trust myself and to just really know, you know, if you can follow your passion and if you can follow sort of what gets you up. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. In the morning, then, you know, you're more likely to be more successful and all the money stuff, at least my personal belief, will come. It may not come overnight. It may take a lot of hard work and a lot of faith. But, you know, the combination of that is really what I'm looking for. Independence, flexibility to be able to pay my bills. Right. And that's amazing because from what I'm observing and as I'm hearing you speak, your intuition was telling you to go to open up your private practice. You had one before, but then your fear because of all those things that are going in your mind as you transition uh, to, as you mentioned, to the new identity, you were, you, you had that fear in front of you. You also were probably thinking maybe the private practice is not the quickest way to money. And you were probably looking for that, right? And, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's really interesting hearing that. And I love that you mentioned that you basically took a step back and really thought, what is it that you really want? It might not be the quickest solution to what you were trying to obtain, but it was what you were most driven to do. And I love that you shared that because I think it's important. Fear 
gets in the way so many times and it forces us to make decisions that some are not necessarily bad decisions. Like in your case, it still helped you, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it forces us to maybe take a a different path or sometimes a longer path Mm -hmm. to where you want to go. So I love that you shared that with us. Now, in terms of money as well, I'm curious to, besides the need to generate that income, because you are, Mm -hmm. when you got divorced, I believe you hadn't been working, correct? So you were out of the workforce. So you basically, you were out of the workforce, became a single mom and had to figure this out. I need to get back to working. I need to create or generate an income so I could provide for my family. What other things were were challenges in terms of that transition for you? Well, the other big one for me is that my ex-husband had really, I did the budgeting, but he really made all the big money decisions as far as investments, you know, retirement, big purchases, cars, you know, we bought our house. We talked about those things, but he commanded more understanding of them, you know, on, you know, how do you get a loan and what kind of interest rates and 401ks, you know, all that stuff. And so when I went through the divorce, I realized, wow, you know, I gave up so much power there. I mean, I don't know, I'm not sure why. I, I don't think I ever really felt confident with money except for the budgeting and kind of managing. But again, that was more from a fear, like I have to know where my money is and how it's going so that I have enough to pay my bills, right, from my mm-hmm. earlier experience. But I didn't have the skills or the confidence to say, yeah, you know, I want to invest my money. I want to save my money for, you know, these bigger things or look into how to do these things. I kind of threw that back on him. So when I became a single mom, I had to rebudget, which I already understood how to do. I had some retirement that I got out of it. We sold our house. I had some money from that. So I really had to kind of build some more confidence on, okay, I have to really regroup here on managing not just like our daily bit budget on, you know, groceries and, you know, paying our bills, but like the bigger picture and the long-term future, which is more of what he held. Mm, Interesting. So if a single mom was to ask you, what would you advise me? Or not just a single mom, but maybe someone that's going to about to transition into single momhood, or maybe just a fairly new single mom. What advice, maybe what are your top best pieces of advice would you give her in the finance area that would help because you've been through this? Well, I did a lot of it on my own, but I now have found through my podcast different resources that I wish I had known about. So I would definitely say reach out to a financial planner. I thought and assumed financial planners were only for people with lots and lots of money. I didn't know that you could just get them for free or you can pay somebody, but they can help. And there are financial planners that only deal with people going through separation divorce. Mm-hmm. So they can sit down with you. They can look at what you're going to be getting in you know, child support or alimony and you know, selling the house, not selling the house the cars, the stuff, and your long-term, you know, if you have kids, you know, college, and even more importantly, your retirement, and help you kind of put all that together and make a plan. Because the thing, you know, like, for instance, in my situation, I had to return to work, right? So I wasn't going to be making as much money for a while, but yet I had long-term goals. And it would have been nice to be able to have someone sit down with me and go, okay, Robin, here's your one-year plan, two or three-year plan, five-year plan kind of thing. And that makes it less overwhelming because especially if you're going back into the workforce to see that, but also to see how much am I going to need to make, you know, especially Mm -hmm. if like your kids are older and your child support's running out or you have no kids and you have 
alimony, but then eventually that runs out. Like, what do I need to be making by that point? So what can I do in the meantime to build up that money skills and also career skills so that by the time these other things start to inevitably fall away, I have a good base. Mm-hmm. And they also help you be less emotional about, you know, for instance, around the house. Because sometimes, like, you know, going through divorce, you want to stay in the house, not move the kids, that kind of thing. And that's a very emotional reaction, but that may not be the long term. It might, but it might not be. And that, you know, uh, running down your retirement to keep the house in the long term won't be best for you and your kids because your kids don't want to take care of you when you're older. They want you to be independent so they can live their own life. So you know what I mean? So it's kind of like in the here and now, something feels very important, but in the longer term, it may not work with the numbers. And so there are people out there, financial planners that help people who've been through divorces sort of settle into these kind of bigger decisions and figure out how to do it from a less emotional place and more of a pragmatic long-term goal space. Agreed. And it is true. And I know, and that's one of the reasons for the podcast too, is to bring these things to light, right? In terms of the financial planner. And nowadays, because any type of field, you have to differentiate yourself, right? And with financial planners, that is a way to differentiate yourself and get more experience and serve that particular niche, which I think is fantastic. Because once you start, maybe not solely, but focus focusing on that niche, you're going to be maybe you're you yourself, right? There's financial planners uh, that are single parents. And that mm-hmm. if, if it was me, I would look at interviewing someone like that as well, not just who they serve, but do they have that experience themselves? Because I think that would make for a better financial planner for that particular person. Oh, I definitely, and see, I didn't know any of this was around when I was going, I just figured this out through my podcast. Yeah, like Sean Lehman, Divorce in Your Money. Mm -hmm. So he does a podcast. He's also a financial planner and he specializes in this completely. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can also find people locally if you Google, you know, financial planner, divorce. So I highly recommend that because there's so much going on with that identity shift, right? And you're feeling understandably overwhelmed. And even if you were the one doing most of the money decisions in the marriage and now going through the divorce, you have that it's still a big change and there's going to be a reshifting like you might be the one paying alimony so now you've got to also think about your future right on how that's going to get tweaked a little bit but I didn't have that so in those early days I think I did less of that kind of planning and I might have made some decisions a little bit differently Mm -hmm. um in those earlier days or at least felt a little more confident or less overwhelmed by you know bouncing those ideas off of somebody and having sort of a schedule and a plan set in place financially for myself. Right, right. Well, it's important. And I will put it in the show notes, but there is a couple episodes on financial planners on how what to look for in a financial planner. So for you listening, I'll be sure to put that in there so you can check that out as well. Well, Robin, this has been fantastic. I have really enjoyed talking to you and diving deeper into your story, your experience, your career as well, which I bow down to you and and what you do, I think is fantastic. So this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because. Because you can build a secure and fuller life for yourself if you manage your money well. Perfect. Well, again, thanks again, Robin, for being here and chatting with us today. Oh, thank you, Jen. I appreciate it. 
So what did you think? I hope that you enjoyed Dr. Robin Rocket as much as I enjoy chatting with her. She is filled with a lot of wisdom, with her education, with her experience, with everything. Before I go into my takeaway for today, I want to do our weekly shout out or in Spanish, la mención semanal. And this week it goes to Lee. Recently, she shared her best money-saving tip, which was meal planning, which we're all familiar with. But she also recognized the need to improve the meal prep, which there is one thing is meal planning and then the meal prep. The meal planning is kind of like your budget, (laughs) but it doesn't have any action. You have to carry it out, right? So the meal prep is where the action happens, which When she shared that, I absolutely loved and I absolutely related to that because I know I personally need to work on that too. I can plan the menu for the week, no problem. But if I don't meal prep then and there's a hectic day, it is very less likely that a meal will be cooked. So that happens to me quite a bit. So I'm so so glad that she shared that with us. Now, in today's interview with Dr. Robin Rocket, she mentioned that for her reaching out to a financial planner specializing in divorce and divorce single parents, if she felt is so important, which I completely agree. I'm not a single parent. Of course, I'm not a financial planner. But being that I don't have the hands-on experience of being a single mom, or a single parent, it doesn't get it, even though I may know how to help you in managing the money, there's also that benefit in knowing from real life experience what it really is and what it really takes to be a single parent. So when reaching out to a financial planner for help in any area, but let's in this particular scenario in finance, especially a financial planner, which helps you plan for the long term, uh, it's very important to tune in to connect with someone that knows and understands where you're coming from. I completely agree. And also, I want to just remind you to check out her podcast. It's called Solo Parent Life. That's the name of the podcast, which you can find at soloparentlife.com, which I will have the link in the show notes for you because she is definitely fantastic. There's a lot that you can learn from her, from her podcast. So definitely check it out. But I just wanted to bring that up on terms of what she said, how important it was to reach out to a financial planner specializing in divorced single parents, which I think is is definitely important as well. So I'll link that up in terms of her podcast. I also, if you haven't heard it already, I also made a guest appearance on her, her show. So you can check that out and I will have that in the show notes. And if you are contemplating hiring a financial planner, I also have an episode where I guide you on things that you need to think about. And I'll make sure to link that up in the show notes as well. So that is it for today. Next week, we'll be talking to America's wealth mentor, Linda P. Jones, who is a self-made multimillionaire. And she will share her six steps to wealth, which is really some good stuff in this one. So make sure to tune in. I want to thank Dr. Robin Rocket for joining us and sharing her story. Again, you can sh- uh, check out the show notes to find the different links over at jenhempilt.com forward slash 128. 
Also, don't forget if you love this episode, if this made a huge difference and you want to share it with a friend, a family member, or a stranger, please do. It would be the biggest compliment for me that you share. Now, before I forget, if you want to be amongst the first to know the moment my book is available, you can join the early notification list at jenhempill.com forward slash book. And being on that list, that early notification list has its perks. Uh, because besides being the first one to know when the book is available, I will be giving some goodies away too. So stay tuned for that, especially if you get on the list. So that is finally it for today. We will talk to you next Thursday. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Ciao.